Yes, here we are. And our guest, unfortunately, I just got the message. They pinged us in plenty of time, but uh, they needed to postpone. So, yeah. And I, I just want to say, um, I got something to say. Brittany and Tori. your baby today. Brittany and Tori, we're really sorry you couldn't be here. And uh, we would love to have the conversation with you. And if for some reason you see this podcast, um, we'd be happy to have you back at another time. And we're making fun of you behind your backs in closets. Yeah. So they're really into the paranormal. And so I started thinking about my own life and the paranormal experiences I've had and, you know, um, various things that have come up that are, that seem unexplainable. And, um, you know, also for those of you who are watching the video feed live, this is the first time we've had a, a, a scroll of text and, uh, we may not actually read it to you. Maybe we'll read it to you later in the thing. But the first thing I want to do, Greg, is, uh, pull a, a tarot card for the show. So I'm going to pull up. I'm going to pull a tarot card from my tarot deck. Sounds and, like a dad joke. <laughs> Well, you just made it into a really good dad joke. All right. Hey, do you want to come up and see some my tarot cards? <laughs> Pull a tarot card from my deck. <laughs> yeah. I want to um, tell you my fortune. How PC fortune. do we have to be these days? Like, can I say that's super gay? I don't think that's really cool. No. Okay. Um, and I think just even the question of how PC do we have to be is kind of inf- inflammatory because it implies that it's it's wasted effort or it's not uh, honest or it's inauthentic. It's kind of like we're performing against some expectation of ourselves, but hiding our real feelings. And I would really much rather we not hide our real feelings on this show. And at the same time, I really don't want to hold space for, you know, bullshit like racism or you know anti-trans things or misogyny like i really want to try to heal all that that's part of why we're here and and we're riding the edge of how can we have that serious devotion to a better human life and still be funny and have fun and have yeah. fun right Just joke around hey greg right. you long-haired old man hippie gap tooth motherfucker shut the fuck up sit down bitch be humble all right so we're going to start the paranormal episode. Ooh, oh, wait, 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 wait. I have some music for this. Okay. And we're going to give interpretation. It's like from our Halloween thing. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to pull the card. All right. And then you're going to give your um, <clears throat> interpretation of the meaning of the card. Okay. And then I'll pull one and I'll give mine. And this is, you know, this is not as serious as it might seem. Okay, here we go. 
The Page of Cuts? Cups. The Page of Cups. That's what that is? Page of Cups? Yes, sir. Looks like it's a collectible. The Page of Cups, a fair, pleasing, somewhat effeminate page of studious and intent, contemplative, a fish rising from a cup to look at him, divinatory meaning, fair young man, one impelled to render service and with whom the quarant will be connected, a studious youth. News, message, application, reflection, meditation. Also, these things directed to business. What's your interpretation of the Page of Cups? Um, he's dressed a little funny. I think he's uh, outdated. He'd stand out in a crowd. Um, I think his cup is full of fish full of fish yeah that's just i wouldn't drink from that (laughs) what do you think the fish symbolizes in a paranormal way why is this card relevant when i pulled it for you yeah you pulled it for me yeah um because i'm a very effeminate silly dressed man with a fish cup yeah okay well and what does that mean about you that means apparently i'm ready to serve is that what it said I don't know. I'm asking you now. I'm wanting to, like, let's turn over the... the um, I feel the, like I know so little. That's like asking me about quantum physics. You know? Great. Like, so uh, just know, tell, talk about what you don't know then. Okay. Page. What? Page of cups? That, it's not like... Aren't there, like, the three of crowns or things like that? Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff like that. All right. So, But this is just simple page of cups. Page of cups. He's not a prince. He's not a king. He's a but page. he's also not just a mere number. Yeah, but isn't a page a mere number? It's a surf. Isn't well, we're it? all mere numbers, ultimately. He's we not part of the major arcana. We here before. We. <laughs> good, good job. <laughs> so uh, does that, do you have anything more you want to add to the Mr. Page of Cups? Page of Cups. I'm sorry you got drawn in honor of me. That's just, <laughs> I would have rather had the hanged man, the fool, the devil, anything but the Page of Cups. So you have high aspirations to be an arcana. I suppose I arcana. do. Yeah. Being and, a Leo. But yet you're also, a page is not doing too bad. Like a page, he's got his cup is full. His cl- clothes are clean. He, everything's looking good for him. Well, he doesn't. Yeah, I guess he seems happy, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's right side up. You drew it right side up. So yes. that's that. Yeah. Okay. All, All right, right. So I'm gonna pull one for me. Okay. And then I'll give the interpretation of it. Right. But wait, here well, you I'm gonna give, put that no, one wait, back. Wait. No, I have to put that one back. No, no, I'm no. kidding. No. I'm kidding. No, All right, you ready? But- what do you want to you want to wait? What are we waiting for? I already have the card. I was going to say, um, what's your interpretation of the page of cups for me? And then I'll give my interpretation after your interpretation of the interpretation of interpretations. All right. Well, I have my card drawn. I'll we'll bring that up in a moment. My interpretation of the page of cups is that a man of fine garments well cleaned who who cares for himself who is ultimately full of youth and full of vitality he's got youth still 
and he he has you know the nutrients in his cup he has basically everything he needs but so it's not for yard not, work he, what he's good for yard work he could do hard just, labor i thought your interpretation was done <laughs> Oh. I was asking. I was trying to get him. <laughs> Don't forget there's a mute button when that happens. Just so you know, Greg's been sick. Yeah. Thank you, Greg. So I'll I'll wrap up my um interpretation of the page of cups as a card representing you. Of studious intent. And the fish fry, the fish rising from the cup to look at him. It's like you're, you're loved, even if it seems odd by an odd object, an odd being. And you're full of uh, grace and you're on the path, right? You're a page. You're a student of, of the greater good, right? And, uh, I think that's it. I think that's all I have available for, for now. Um, Perfect. All right. So I'm going to, I pulled a card for myself and uh, this card is also a page. The page, the page of, of pentacles. Pentacles. Oh, it looks like he's holding a CD. So it's a, a, a five pointed star inside a disc. And so it says here, page of pentacles, a youthful figure looking intently at the pentacle that hovers over his raised hands. The divinatory meetings are application, study, scholarship, reflection, news, messages, and the bringer thereof. Also rule management. And then it talks about reverse, but this one's not reversed. Yeah. So again, you pulled another page. That's interesting. And right side up. So we're two pages. Yes. One of cups and one of pentacles. The pentacle is typically the coin. Right. All right. It sounds like abundance to me. We have all our needs met. It's true. Right. And we're in a position where we can do more. We're pages, but we're also meant to serve. Right. We're serving the higher arcana. And so the way I interpret that is I'm not quite as finely dressed in this picture. Uh, it's more basic clothing. Not know, quite as... like the same. Oh, not quite. No, not quite. Look at that. Like there's some finery there. Well, it's just whoever made the card put some glitter on that one. and Because that's an effeminate page. Yeah, okay, fine. If you want to argue with my interpretation, you're welcome to do that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I won't take it personally. Uh-uh, not me. The page of part of our- doesn't take anything personally. No, no. <laughs> Heaven forbid. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, in my view, as far as paranormal things go, the cards are living. There's a living being in the connection of the deck with me. Is it a and good witch or a bad witch? I don't. It's neither. It's it's all encompassing. The whole story is possible, right? Because the creation is not limited either, right? You can be fully dark, fully light. There's the full range of of possibilities available. Can you be fully dark? Um, can I? 
can yeah can life can there be fully dark well i'll tell you about one thing there was a we were staying um down in um central california at a relative's house and the guest room there had um full-on blackout curtains and there's no there's no other light source in the room like that. This is a recent. Yeah. Well, a little while ago, we'll say within the last year. And yeah. so we closed the door and we went to bed and I was lying there in a full on pitch black room and I couldn't sleep. It was too much for me to be in the complete utter darkness. Hmm. Very uncomfortable. Hmm. I got kind of claustrophobic. And so I had to, um, Okay. I took my CPAP, which is a device I use for my sleep apnea, and I brought it up off the floor to the nightstand so that the little light that's on it that shows the indicator would give me just a little bit of light. And then I felt better. I needed my nightlight. You needed a nightlight. That's wild. I love total dark. I love it. I'm not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, I've had some wonderful experiences with Total Dark. There's one that comes to mind is the caves that are down. Is it Calaveras, Can- Calaveras Caves, a camping area that's in Southern California desert? I would imagine. I don't know. I don't know. I forget where it was. Anyway, there were these caves, and I went down into one, and there was this sort of like rock that <laughs> bed that you could lie on mm. and um and I turned off my headlamp and after a bit I could see this sort of green glow from the wall so that was kind of rad I'll bet it sounds really cool did you feel any presences while you were there was there anything did you get creeped out at all no no that was totally awesome and no presences I do have my first, I would say, paranormal experience was when I was probably about 11. And this friend of the family, like, you know, friends of my parents came over and um, they had a son. And he was like a year or two older than me. Never met the guy before. But, you know... You know how it is when your parents have friends and they have kids, so you have to be friends with them for that day. So that's what was happening. And um, But he said that he had ESP, and I was like, oh, that's rad. Like, what's that about? And he goes, oh, I can teach you. And I'm like, okay. He goes, all right, close your eyes and just like think back into your mind. Like, push your thoughts back go back and you know what do you see and I was like oh wow you know I see like so there was this carnival that was happening that was part of what our families were going to do together and I said I see this kid got hurt by this wall and you know he's wearing a blue shirt and he would like trade off like yeah I see that too and he would say something about it and I'd say something about it we described this whole thing and um (coughs) And I forget how it changed, but the house that I lived in at the time was a two-story house. It was rad for um, Halloween. It had this sort of English 
country goth thing in yeah, its design. Yeah. And um, somehow he said, like, what I, I don't remember all the details, but somehow we got to the living room and there's a dead baby wrapped up on the floor. And then there was this table <laughs> that it was one of these tables that you could swing it up and tuck it into a corner. And then, mm-hmm. you know, so it's tucked like that. And it looked like a mirror. And we just got freaked out. We ran out of the house. Um, so and it then, wasn't a real dead baby. It was like a dead baby. Doll. No, it was like a vision thing that we were both experiencing. I see. And wow. the reason that it has stayed with me so powerfully is later that day, I'm at this carnival and he's, our family's, I'm no longer hanging out with him. <coughs> but this kid got hurt and there was this wall, you know, like this area, like, and he was wearing a blue shirt and he wasn't hurt badly, but he fell and he was hurt and crying. And it was like what we both described earlier that morning. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah kind of a premonition yeah yeah <laughs> like seeing into the future mm-hmm. and um <clears throat> so that was my first experience with something i'd say is paranormal yeah and i think what we define paranormal as is that it feels like it's outside the normal way that we deal with reality like the idea that things are solid that there's this this room is comprised of all of its objects but nothing beyond the realm of physical science exists here except with something paranormal then it takes into account that there are spirits that there are other beings that are maybe observing or listening or present right um and i think you know i don't want to go down this tangent but that you know the force in star wars is paranormal right and so you know, when people are in mysterious places, their senses go up, like almost they become hyper vigilant about stuff. And so any little thing triggers kind of a responsiveness. And so I remember, you know, being in dark spaces or houses when I was a kid and thunder and lightning and feeling like, oh, there might be ghosts and stuff like that. And um, a couple of times, I remember being in houses and feeling a detection of something there. Like I was convinced because I got the pricklies on my skin that there was something there. And I come from a background where I don't just poo-poo that. I don't just say, oh, that's not real. That's my imagination. Um, I was like, so what I did was I made myself calm in the face of it and kind I was like, okay, whatever you are, I'm going to be kind to you and um, just chill the space out through that. And, um, you know, I think dreams can be paranormal, especially really potent nightmares. Right. And also, you know, my uncle and my dad for a long time, it must have been five, 10 years. And then now, even now, they still talk about it from time to time, but more so then you know, Bigfoot to them was like a a mysterious being. And so we used to have stories. We would go camping and stuff and they would tell stories about Bigfoot and I'd get that creeped out feeling being in the woods. Right. Um, 
probably one of the most intense versions of that was I went on this hike in Yosemite in the middle of December with my friend Steve and his uncle Jay. And we had gone with some relatively good equipment, but it was December and we didn't really have a lot of prep for snow. Like we had some down jackets and we had down sleeping bags, but our tents, we didn't have a lot of heaters. You know, there was, there was a lot of, you know, potential damage that could have been done. And so as we, hi- we drove in and we got there and it was already dark when we got there. And we hiked two miles in and pinched our tents in the middle of the night because we'd left the Bay Area to get to Yosemite. I think we left at like seven at night. <laughs> so by the time we got there, it was like 11, 1130. And so we hiked in a couple miles and we pitched our tents and we, uh, we slept. And then we got up in the morning and we had pitched our tent in the middle of a snowfield, But we were still at low elevation. And it was bright and sunny, but it was freezing cold. Right. So we, we hiked the rest of the way up the trail, which is, I think, about eight miles which took us, you know, a, a long day because it went up into the hill. And we got, we got packed, we got um, our tent set up there. And <clears throat> the very next day, no, it was that day. We got up there and we got camp set and we saw this cloud cover coming over the top. Like we couldn't see blue sky anymore. And we got really concerned that we were going to get snowed in up there and that we were going to freeze to death in the snow. So we packed up all our gear again in the middle of the night. And we started walking down the hill and we were hiking on what's called the Tuolumne Trail. And the Tuolumne Trail runs right near the Tuolumne River. And at that time of year, it was frozen. The river was frozen. And so we got down to about, oh, I think we were still like four miles out, four or five miles out. But we're down to the, the valley floor and we would hear this giant crack, like fuck, like this giant noise that was deep and loud. And it was somewhere between like a monster breaking a tree in half with his bare hands and Thor's hammer hitting the ground. <laughs> and it freaked us the fuck out. And we we started like jogging down the trail with our our and we were and then like we were like, okay, and then, bam! It happened again, and it echoed through the valley. We're like, was that a gunshot? No, that wasn't a gunshot. Oh my god! Right? We got like, get the bear whistle out, get the bear whistle out. Right? We were all paranoid. We were already walking with flashlights at that point because it was dark, and we were bound. We were like, oh, we got to get to the car. We got to get to the car. And again, it was taking hours because it had taken us all day to hike up there. We left it after dark, so this uh, whole trip. And um, we were afraid that it was like some bear or some kind of crazy large, you know, animal. Because it was following us down the river. It was the river. (laughs) It was the river. The cracks, what what was happening was the river was cracking. The ice was cracking and throwing off this amazing sound. And the rest of the story is we finally made it to the car and we drove into – the valley into Yosemite Valley looking a little pretty disheveled and, you know, we were stoned. And uh, so it was two in the morning and we were basically walking around to all of the hotels trying to get a room because we had been tired and dish- and they were like, no one would rent to us. It was, wow. uh, it was a, an adult male and two teenage boys. And they were like, mm, no Whoa. room at the end tonight. Right. And uh, wow. so we ended up sleeping in the, the, the triumph the tr4 
until morning and we could get breakfast. And that, that was quite the experience. Um, and I was scared. Like I got, that was being in a state of prickly level uh, disturbance for hours on end as I hiked out. and around every corner, I thought there might be a bear, you know, it wasn't necessarily paranormal so much as it's paranoid. Um, yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like you're, um, cause you mentioned when you needed the MRI and you couldn't do it. And cause claustrophobia, that's what I'm thinking of how, Claustrophobia isn't really relating to space. It's relating to awareness of space. Um, how do you know? Because you just told me you were in a dark room with plenty of space, but because you couldn't be aware that the space was there, you couldn't sleep. Okay. That's how I know, Mr. Man. <laughs> Yeah. Um, fear is such an interesting thing. It is. You know, I'm listening it to conjures these, things out of itself, right? Well, we create I'm listening to these essays, 101 essays that'll change your way of thinking, I think is what it's titled. I forget the woman's name who wrote it. <laughs> One of the things she says is like, if you're feeling... I'm paraphrasing, of course, but in essence, if you're in a rut and you want to grow, watch a scary movie. Do something that scares you because okay. fear is a is a jolt. Yeah, well, I've also heard that um, my minor stresses are the things that build resilient health effects. Oh, I should be scaring myself more than well, or like like fucking much. that's what an ice bath is, right? Or uh, a yeah. sauna. Right. Or working out. So but in this realm, we're talking about is the the stress of the mind that the, you know, challenging yourself to face your fear makes you more confident over time. More Right. December 24th, I was sleeping on the couch because my kids spent the night and I felt this evil presence. Like I'm sleeping on the couch. So my head's like this, you know, behind, like standing behind me. <laughs> it's kind of like, did I already tell you about this? I may have forgotten. Keep going. All right. So, yeah, and it was like this evil. And, and, and what I picture is sort of two presences, but, you know, like just evil presence. And it was like really like coming down at me. And I did what you just described. You did within the face of sensing something. I went like, just like, I'm good. You know, like all love god one you know and the other thing i noticed is um i didn't look behind me <coughs> because that would give credence to the presence and as little energy as possible to give to that it happened twice that night because it happened once Ooh. and then i was like woo and then same you know i went to sleep and then the second time it happened, I did the same thing, and it wasn't as evasive, I guess, as the first time. Pervasive. Per, no, invasive. Like, it wasn't as disturbing the second Got time. It. But right. the presence was still as strong, but the effect on me was not as strong. Got it. Yeah, that yeah was so 
I think that part of it has to do with our beliefs. Like there are people who are rational and who are very science oriented for whom this fear doesn't happen. And that, that because the scope of their belief system doesn't allow for it to be real. And I think, uh, you know, I'll speak for you and myself, but you correct me about you. I, I believe in um, astral events. I believe in spirits and beings that are not um, in a corpus, i.e. they're not in a body. And I believe that th their energies that are alive and cohesive in plants and in rocks and in, you know, the earth and the sky and the clouds. And so um, for me, that means that when I have that sense of, oh, God, something might be here, I have a belief system that supports it. Right. Yeah. Well, here's another thing that was in the essays. She said, like, lay out all your body parts on a table. And is that you? Like, when you see your hand, is that you? No, that's my hand. It's not me. <laughs> so if we're not our body, what are we? And I think speaking for both of us, we both are, I think, <coughs> God. <coughs> we're animated. There's something, an energy that animates us. No, but here's what I was going to say. We both are grounded in belief of the energy of um, ancestral worship, for lack of a better word. Which is saying that we do give credence to our ancestors still being present, still being energy to be yeah. sought yeah. help from, etc. So they're not their bodies, obviously. Right, right. They're energy that's beyond the body. And and that's what paranormal means to me. You know, I, the audience wasn't here yet, but when Greg and I sat down, I lit the candles behind me. I also lit um, a stick of palo or whatever they call that stuff. And uh, so it's like my way of relating to the spirits that are in this room, right? And one of the great books of my youth is this book, called The Sacred Path of the Warrior by Chogyong Trumpa. And the thing about the book is it's written by an amazing British, or, uh, not British, an amazing Tibetan uh, Lama. And he, in it, this book is all about have, how to teach the concepts and the precepts of the spiritualism without the Buddhism attached to it. Right. He did. He tried really hard to make it something that people could access without necessarily getting into all the reincarnation. But he can't help himself. About halfway through the book, he starts talking about these things like wind horse. Right. And there's this one concept called Drala. And the basic idea behind Drala is that the Dralas will come and be in your space with you and they're beneficial entities. But in order for them to desire to enter, you have to prepare the space adequately. It needs to be clean, free of distractions and messes. It needs to smell good, right? So a lot of us already practice this idea of, well, we want our space to be a certain way because we want it to feel good, right? And he lays it out in the principle of, of invoking Drala is to have neatness and tidiness and um, 
you know, organization in your life as the way to bring in strong energy and bring in the energies that support your endeavors and stuff like that. And I think that's kind of paranormal too, for me. Um, and then I've actually experienced something in relation to music that is more than the sum of the parts. And I've had the experience when I'm on stage and I've also had the experience when I'm um, at a concert by another person. And so I've had this experience with Carlos Santana, with Bob Marley. Um, I even had it with a couple of bands that never became famous. There was a band in Mill Valley called Amicus and Kim Mooney was in that band and Dwayne Van Diemen was in that band and Larry Holman and the, it's like the electricity pops, right? There's something about what happens in that in the room where everyone's energy changes. Um, yeah, and pretty much every freaking time I see either a Prince video or I was at a Prince concert, same thing, right? So I consider that paranormal. And when you experience it from the stage, there's uh, a kind of energy in the body that's uh, infinite, like at the two and a half hour mark, instead of feeling completely exhausted from performing, I'm actually more capable of making transcendent music than at any other time during the night. It's like call it, they, they call it the zone and flow states and, and things like that. It's a flow state from when I think is pretty much what people talk about it. Yeah, I wonder if someone like Prince, they just played so much that they were just constantly in flow, which is why you could do six hours of music live and not think twice about it. Well, and at a certain point, it must have been harder for him to reach that state. So he would he would want that. And the best way to go out and get it would be to do the after party, the after show, because a lot of the show was probably the same show most of the night, right? It was for, for a lot of shows on the tour, it was the same song list with maybe a few differences. And then so you go to the after party and now you can play anything the band knows. It's not the show. It's just, you know, hanging out. And I think, I think he ran into, um, what do they call it? Um, tolerance. And I think his get off was affected by the fact that he was so rich and bathed in that level of flow state for so long that after a while it got harder. And that's why he switched bands up so that he could, you know, feel the new power generation and, you know, and then going on a stage alone with one piano, it's a whole new realm, right? Of spaciousness yeah. and, and all of those things. And I think that he, in that sense, he was a flow junkie. Like yeah. he wanted the crowd to sing a lot of the songs because then he could feel the energy of them. Right. The spirit as it were. Um, and I think that if you, you know, churches are designed, you know, cathedrals are designed specifically to create this kind of vibe, this awe inspired vibe, but not normally when we think of paranormal, we think more of the dark side, like ghosts and the macabre, right. Things like that. But uh, the paranormal isn't, it's not classifiable as good, bad. I think it's all there. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm just thinking one of my favorite kids books growing up was Georgie, the friendly ghost. And um, 
he, uh, the gentleman who wrote the series of books was from the East Coast, so it had a very East Coast vibe, ocean vibe, and uh, I loved him. I don't, I think it was just Georgie and then Georgie's Christmas, Georgie, you know, various Georgie books. They were the best. Um, I want to pull another tarot card for Brittany and Tori, who couldn't be with us today. So I'm going to pull another card for them. Yeah. Ooh, the hanged man. Ah, they got my card. <laughs> and it says here, the hanged man, wisdom, trials, circumspection, discernment, sacrifice, intuition, divination, prophecy. So, yeah, they, they were going to come and talk about the paranormal in a way that's even deeper than than uh, Greg and I were going to um, yeah. talk about it. And so we, we're sad that they're not here. And we also I know Greg's a parent um, and hello to our audience. Apparently someone's viewing us. Feel free to comment. How can you tell? Just mouse over the eye. Oh, or the heart. Mouse over the heart. Oh, there we go. Yeah, so um, I wish they were here so we could laugh at them. Well, <laughs> that's not very cool. Um, they said they'll reschedule, so yeah. we should have time with them. And, yeah, I don't want to give away all my paranormal stuff. We'll save it for that. But <laughs> have you ever experienced um, evil? Yeah, well, uh, definitely met some bad vibe people. Have you um, ever experienced? Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale bloom? Pale bloom. Blah, 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 blah. You ever dance with the devil in a bubble bath? <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the time, Frankie. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, again, because the way I have my belief system structured. I I don't have that energy in my of something I would notice as dancing with the devil. Um I do speak to what I'll call the higher power in my mind's eye. And I've experienced a reply that um, I would interpret as beyond myself, getting an answer from beyond myself. And I think that being the spectrum of energy being what it is, there's both inspiration and desperation. Despotism, right? So depending on what you're listening for, you'll hear it. And I think like my – we talked about this at Halloween. My my former classmate, Bobby, who loved the Exorcist movie, I think he was tuned in to that frequency. He really wanted to hear from that quality of energy. And I don't particularly have the desire to hear from that quality of energy. And so I don't seek it out, and so I'm not in that space. And if I am, I'm quick to, to maneuver out of it, right? You could call that uh, another phobia, maybe, right? Claustrophobia of another kind. I'm cool with that. Hand phobia. What? Claustrophobia and Hans phobia. 
Okay, Klaus and Hans, the two, we will pump the you two, up. Yeah. <laughs> the two from you, are... pump you up. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, um, we are interesting beings that create stories and create contexts. And uh, then there's also shit that happens, things that happen that we can't explain. Um, and I've never gone to the Winchester Mystery House, right? Oh, man, I've been there. Yeah. Does, did you feel like that was a paranormal space? No. No. I'm very interesting. I, one of my best road adventures was with Bodie, and our first stop was the Winchester Mystery House. And it was awesome because they didn't let the public take photos there. <clears throat> but the movie was about to come out. Mm. But, um, and so they let people take photos and we took a ton. I bet that's fun. Wow. Well, I did have an acid fueled dream that I would count, call as, you know, paranormal where I left my body. I flew out into the stratosphere. There was a whole experience and I may have discussed that on the show already. I don't um, think so. So uh, it was a rather large dose. <laughs> <laughs> and it was pretty clean. What do you consider a large? Was it in a visine bottle like drops? No, it was drops on a sugar cube. Okay. And I knew the source. So I knew that it was going to be potent. Right. And uh, it was, was it one of the original founders of acid makers. No, but it was somebody I knew who had knew what they were doing. Okay. And they'll remain nameless, and they've since vowed never to to make acid again, even though they were they were really good at it. It's clean, yeah, very clean. Not Different. Speed. I've had both. Like I had some blotter that had speed in it. That was no not as fun. This yeah. was clean, right? Clean. And it came on a sugar cube, and uh, it was a uh, it wasn't a mega dose. Like uh, it's it would be considered average for you know a Grateful Dead fan or whatever. Okay. And um, the way we thought of it was we were told that the cube was 500 mics and we split it. So 250 mics, which is not, you know, it's not a, a big dose. Like the thing to do would be to take the 500. Now you're talking, or maybe a thousand, that would be a, a, a heroic, a thousand would be a heroic dose. And that would probably be a couple of days as it was, it lasted a good long time. And so we went to see a double feature of the Jimi Hendrix movies at the UC theater in Berkeley and we live were at Berkeley and live at Berkeley and rainbow bridge. Okay. And we were super stoked. It was such a good time, double feature five hours. And we, we were tripping within the first 15 minutes. Cause we took the bus down there from Oakland and we dropped the, the acid when we got on the bus. And so there we were, and Jimmy was our guide and uh, it was a beautiful experience. And we got back to um, my friend Steve's house. And at that point it was like one thirty in the morning, almost two. And we were like, okay, we got to pull the Stratocaster out of the closet and try to play. And we were fucked up. And his mom, bless her heart. She was in the other room. We plugged in the amp and we just turned it so you could barely hear it. Right. But she came out at one point and was like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, we just had to play. We saw Jimi Hendrix and she saw, she knew. I mean, she knew what acid was. She'd taken it. So she was like, all right, boys, don't stay up too late, whatever. So a big part of it is I watched my friend play for a while because, of course, it was his guitar. But then eventually he got like, okay, here you go, Mark. And I played for a little while. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to go to bed. And I'm like, well, okay, 
I, I put the guitar down and I went to bed. And then I had this amazing acid dream. And I don't remember the point of falling asleep, but it never seemed like I lost consciousness. Right. But I closed my eyes and I heard this incredible symphonic music, like no symphony you've ever heard. But it wasn't oppressive or dark. It was exalted and beautiful. And then I, I left my body and I was, I started by walking down the streets of Oakland and then I could jump a little farther and a little farther. And pretty soon I was flying like three feet above the, the sidewalk. And then I took flight and I flew up and out over the bay and out the Golden Gate Bridge and then started heading for the sky as it was dawning. And I flew up into the sky and into the, and the symphony's playing and I'm flying and I, uh, I get to, we're out of the atmosphere and I'm into space and like, it's like 2001. There's all these colors rushing by and planets going by. And it's like a lot of heavenly bodies. I'm going deep, deep, deep into the, inter- into the universe. And the music is like, right. It's this incredible velocity. I'm moving really fast, really fast. And then suddenly it's like, and it's completely silent and black, except for this one green dot in the distance. And it's barely even a dot. It's like just a flickering light. And I'm like, I know I'm zooming towards it. And I'm like going super fast. And it's getting faster as I get closer. And it's getting bigger and it's getting bigger. And it's green. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Like I'm, and then I think like, oh, I'm, I'm probably going home. Like it might be the earth. And as I get closer and closer, I realize it is not the earth. It is a dragon. (laughs) And there was no stopping. And I just was like, okay. Here I go. And I was swallowed into the dragon and I woke immediately in my bed in the belly of the dragon. And you haven't gotten out since. Oh, yeah, I have. Oh, that could be why you're so claustrophobic. Well, uh, who knows why? Because you're in the belly of a dragon. Maybe, maybe not. I don't remember being claustrophobic until recently in my life. You know, as a professional doctor, my diagnosis is you've been swallowed by a dragon thank you dang this cold it's really bothering me yeah well um do you have anything similar like a a a really colorful experience psychedelic paranormal experience that you want to tell us Um, well, my trip on clean acid was when we lived up on the mountain and I can remember sitting on top of the bus stop that used to be where mountain home Inn is. And before they had redone it, when it was an old rusted, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, wasn't really a parking lot. There it was a dirt lot. Anyway, sitting on top of the roof of the bus stop, looking over the bay in mill Valley and just going, oh, my God, it's all just a game. It's a game. And my friend's like, yeah, that's what I've been trying to tell you. I was like, oh, shut up. <laughs> anyway. Um, that's not really paranormal, but I get it. No, it wasn't paranormal. <laughs> Though it had an essence of paranormal in the sense like all this reality was lifted. Like, oh, all this reality I'm giving credence to isn't really real. 
Yeah. Um, there was that, you know, instance I told at the beginning of this episode. Um, I, as we know, I've talked about, did sell my soul to the devil in my mind. I don't recommend it. I think it's a mistake. I think that we are creative beings. I kind of what this scrolling text that you've placed on this episode so eloquently, <laughs> I believe is real. And you said at the beginning of this episode, the story of creation is unfolding. And it is. It's continually unfolding. Like we are the story of creation. It is continually being told. <laughs> and I do believe that creation is love and we are f created. We are love. And to what just flashed into my head hole is in Course of Miracles, it says that really <coughs> the only purpose of this course is know thyself. That's it. So I don't like hate myself for selling my soul to the devil. Um, it seems in my storyline in this body, that was a piece of knowing myself that I could say from the experience, not a good choice. Yeah. Why, why do you say that? Because <clears throat> love supports life. And it's so like, that sounds ridiculously simple, but live opposite is evil. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I think evil is the mistaken thought that death is real. Sin is real. People should be punished. And I say mistaken because I do have faith in what the Course says is that's a mistake. <laughs> God isn't out to punish anyone. In fact, there is nothing to be punished. Mm. It just doesn't exist. Everything real is from God. Right. I get it. <laughs> that makes sense. So, and then everything that's not is of human. Yeah, just yeah. We for Created. for whatever reason. <laughs> I apologize, gosh darn it! But for whatever reason, we, like it said, you know, ultimately, I must be thinking I'm getting something from the pain I'm experiencing, and it must be something of more value than what I currently have if I'm willing to go through pain. Or at least that's, uh, that's the assumption one would make as they enter onto the journey, right? Right. So when I'm willing to let go of everything that I've put belief in that creates pain, now I'm ready to take that last step into Bodhisattva. Joy. Enjoy and fly through the universe into the belly of the dragon. <laughs> yeah, well, I think 
we are creating it as we go. And so we have the option of creating it well and it being something good. And um, I also think that your deal with the devil never actually made it out of escrow, that you that you were rejected at the at the gate and it well, didn't happen. Right, of course. Yeah, ultimately. Yeah. You know, because again, everything... <laughs> all that is is from God hmm. and God creates love and joy mm -hmm. yeah so tigers love antelope they're so delicious you know if you hunted an antelope I would eat that antelope oh got it well it feels like we're at a good point to stop. Let's leave the read the scroll and then go. Okay. Should we read it together? <coughs> I don't think you can. I bet you can. Now we got to wait for it to roll through. Yeah. <coughs> you mean cough it all out. Yeah. Um, we're going to be giving a free prize to no, anyone who can, who emails us telling us how many coughs were done during the show. Too so, many. yeah, here we go. Love, One, two, three. Love is, is real. real. We are literally, literally made, made of this of stuff. stuff from inception, from inception to, now. to now. It, it seems, seems the whole, whole universe, universe is comprised of some amazing particles, particles and is organized around, around a mysterious power that, in my view, has to be love. Love. D-U-M-B love. Recording stopped.